the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. And he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio Good MD. Morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, coming at you on AM860, The Answer. And we are at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. Oh, boy. We got a show this morning. A lot going on. We got McCabe on the chopping block and uh, an attack on the Ramco oil plants in Saudi Arabia, cutting off 5% of the world's oil reserves, the United States stepping up, and all kinds of good things happening. Also, I wanted to talk a little bit about hypertension. I had one of my, uh, one of my nurse directors call me this week, actually on Friday, and her cohort, her counterpart at another hospital in the area, wanted her husband seen right away because his blood pressure was up and he hadn't seen anybody for years and she was worried about him and he was worried and he was having headaches and blah, 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 blah. So I said, okay, come on in. We usually close the office on Friday during the summer because it slows down a little bit. But knowing that this is a serious disease and one that can cause heart attacks and strokes and peripheral vascular disease, all kinds of things, kidney failure. I thought we'd better get him in and do a little quickie on him, which we did. And I started him on some medication, very happy and appreciative. And I was appreciative of the referral as well. So what is high blood pressure? High blood pressure is a systolic blood pressure above 140 and a diastolic blood pressure greater than uh, 90 to 100. We're we're shooting for 130 over 80 these days. The numbers keep coming down as we learn more and more about high blood pressure. The problem being that when you get into the uh, 130 over 80 range and you're an elderly sort of person, I would say someone my age or older, 70 up, you can have uh, a loss of the normal contraction of the blood vessels when you stand up It's just part of the aging process, and you can even become weak if you're on blood pressure medicine and you're well-controlled while you're sitting or lying, but then when you stand up, you you get a little little weak because your blood pressure falls. So we have to be careful, but for people in the uh, mid-years, we like to get them at least 130 over 80, and the lower the better. People ask me, well, my pressure is only 110 over 60, Doc. Am I in trouble? No. Actually, if you think about it, the blood vessels are basically a closed system of tubing, and that tubing, 
will wear out the more pressure you put in it, the longer period of time over which you have an elevated pressure inside of that blood system, the the more damage there will be to it. And the damage, like with any tubing, is going to be weakening of the walls. And when you do weaken the walls, then the body reacts by uh, forming basic little, little scars inside, only they're fatty plaques to kind of plug up the tears and uh, platelets and, and so then you get a plaque and a cholesterol plaque and if that builds up enough it can block the artery like in your heart or in your neck arteries that go to your brain you can have a heart attack or a stroke so we like to keep it as low as possible as long as you're not passing out when you stand up so we have a, a number of things that we recommend and some of them I agree with and some of them I have a little trouble with. Weight loss, that's a good thing. You can usually bring your pressure down. And remember that a lot of the benefit of weight loss is in the first 5% of, of your body weight. So if you weigh 200 pounds and you lose 5 to 10 pounds, you're probably going to get about as much bang for the buck as you would expect. Uh, and losing more may or may not be helpful, but at least taking off a little bit will help bring it down. Now, there, here's where I get into it with the uh, Joint National Committee on Hypertension, is limit alcohol intake to more than, no more than one ounce of ethanol per day for men and a half an ounce for women. So uh, one ounce is uh, not much. I mean, if you think about it, a beer is, what, 5% alcohol, and so a 12-ounce can of beer is um, about a half an ounce, so a couple of beers a day. Uh, well, all right, I guess I'll have to reconsider my drinking career. Now, we want to lower our sodium intake. That's salt, table salt. And remember, everything has salt in it. Everything you eat that is alive or was alive before you cooked it has salt in it. I mean, this sodium is part of the uh, carbon-based life form uh, necessities. So everything has salt. So you don't need to add salt to anything and keep your potassium intake up uh, that's important and magnesium is important too so when you go to see your doctor and he does your annual blood work say doc make sure you check my potassium and magnesium levels so that i know that i'm adequate there and calcium is healthy for you too if you're not on vitamin d and you're uh, vitamin d3 and you're in the senior age group uh, might be good to get on a little dose of that and make sure that your doctor checks your vitamin D2 level, not the D3 level, but the D2 level. The D2 level is what we look at to see if you have adequate levels of vitamin D in your bloodstream because the problem is that you end up not being able to convert vitamin D1, which is what we absorb through our skin and, and food and our gut, and that's converted to vitamin D2 and then D2 to D3, which is the active uh, vitamin D product that's so necessary in uh, bone metabolism and a number of other um, mechanisms that go on within the body. Stop smoking. Stop smoking. Cut down on your fats. Actually, cut down on your calories and get out there and exercise. Those are all important aspects of taking care of your blood pressure. We have a number of medications that we're using for hypertension now. Oh, by the way, people say, well, I don't feel anything. How can I have high blood pressure? Well, it's the silent killer. We all know that. 
and you may not have anything. Some people will come in and say, I have a headache when my blood pressure goes up. It may be that their headache is causing the blood pressure, and it's, it's kind of hard to tell with, whether it's the horse or the cart. Nevertheless, if you are having blood pressure rise with pain, then that's something we need to look at as well. But the medications that we use for high blood pressure include water pills, beta blockers like uh, metoprolol and atenolol, carvedilol, ACE inhibitors like uh, lisinopril and uh, fosinopril. Those are fairly common drugs. There are some ARBs. Losartan is one of them that is been around a long time and I take a small dose of that. There are aldosterone antagonists and you can discuss all of these with your doctor. And we also consider the uh, secondary diseases that you may have from your high blood pressure like heart failure or a heart attack or diabetes that is uh, so often uh, co comorbid with, concomitant with high blood pressure as we get older. And uh, of course, chronic kidney disease, which can not only be an effect of high blood pressure, but also a cause of high blood pressure. So we have to tweak the medicines a little bit. We have other medications uh, that we call uh, calcium channel blockers. And there are a host of medicines out there. So if one doesn't work for you or agree with your system, you can talk with your doctor and you have lots of options. So take care of that blood pressure. Make sure you're getting your annual physical exam. Insist that your doctor do the comprehensive blood work, and that includes not only potassium and magnesium, but uh, if there are any concerns, you can get an ionized calcium, not just a plain calcium. Uh, make sure that you're getting your blood count and your chemistries. Check those kidney enzymes. Uh, if there's any question of kidney or renal involvement in your high blood pressure, then make sure you have him do further workup. Get an ultrasound of your kidneys. Make sure there's no structural damage or obstruction to the outflow of urine from your kidneys, which can also push up your blood pressure. So that's my little homily this morning on the healthcare aspects of the show. And if you have any questions, you can call me at 877-969-8600, 877 And I'll be happy to answer anything that I can. By the way, did you watch the Democratic debates? Well, I, I got a, a memo from one of my friends, and uh, he sent me a few thoughts on some of the things that the Democratic hopefuls were touting on stage. And for Elizabeth Warren, it's Fred Stevens, a welder, and Joe Frisco, a bartender, neither of whom went to college, will have to pay off the student loans for Eric, an art history major, and Emma, a gender studies major, because they can't get any jobs. So, and then Bernie Sanders wants to let everybody vote, even prisoners. So Yousef Hussein, who killed 23 children by bombing their school, will be allowed to vote for, from prison. I thought that was a good idea too. Now, Billy White, age 16, who has trouble with subject verb agreement in English class, still has trouble with fractions in math class and thinks Judge Judy is on the Supreme, Supreme Court. He'll also get to vote under Kirsten Gillibrand's uh, idea to lower the voting age to 16. Well, what you gonna do about that, I'll tell you, so there's a whole bunch of them. I'll go over some more later in the show. But uh, first, I wanted to get into this whole thing with uh, 
Andrew McCabe, who is apparently going to be indicted for criminal charges for leaking uh, sensitive documents and information to the press. And the former acting FBI director apparently lied to investigators, which is a no-no. And if you lie to the FBI, then you've committed a crime because you're under oath when you go in there, especially if you're a member of the club. If you're an FBI agent, uh, you have an obligation to be honest with your superiors. Now, the grand jury has been on a hiatus and it's to be called back. Apparently, there were further investigations that were underway when they were dismissed temporarily. And so they were sent home and, and the whole case remained in limbo for a few months while further scanning and scrubbing and looking for data was underway by the United States Attorney General's office. So the Attorney General, uh, this has been referred and they are going to recall the grand jury and see if the grand jury agrees that there's enough to indict McCabe. And McCabe's going to, defense is going to be that the president and the White House put pressure on him and that that's the reason that he released this information to the press. By the way, you might think this is about the uh, the Russia investigation, but it's not. It was about the probe into Hillary Clinton and her Heritage Foundation. And it happened before Trump uh, I believe before he was even in office, McCabe was leaking this stuff. So McCabe is uh, now going to use the defense that the other guy made me do it. By the way, McCabe tried to blame the New York uh, office of FBI agents for the leak and dress them down, the leadership there. And so he is apparently fairly adept at shifting blame and trying to cover his tracks and make it look like it's somebody else's fault, not his. And as I've said before, these guys are just a big bunch of babies. I mean, they're so whiny. Comey and McCabe, I can't believe that they were our top cops. It just is amazing to me. It's it's just ridiculous. You know, I, I, I don't know how they get themselves into these positions of power. Although one attorney who I, I spoke to and I said, why didn't you go into public office? He says, well, you can't make any money. you got to be in private practice if you want to make a good living. The public servants, unless they're stealing, I guess, don't receive that big of a paycheck. But, I mean, you know, if you make 140, 150000 a year and you've got a lot of benefits, um, you should be able to live on that. Even outside of Washington, there are some areas where, where it's not too expensive to live. Now, McCabe, who was a well-regarded agent, uh, became number two at a difficult time, and he was in charge of supervising uh, two very sensitive and high-profile cases, the Hillary Clinton's use of her private email servers, and he got involved in the Trump campaign and Russia influence in the 2016 election. So Trump fired Comey in May of 17, and McCabe took over for him as acting director. And then the allegations came out that McCabe had <clears throat> leaked investigation, ongoing investigation uh, data to the press. 
and that the Wall Street Journal, I guess, had gotten a hold of this somehow through one of his intermediaries. And this was a separate investigation with the Clinton email and uh, the family foundation, the Clinton family foundation from the Russian probe and didn't even have anything to do with the Russian probe. Now, McCabe acknowledged that he did allow or did authorize a couple of FBI officials to speak to reporters for the Wall Street Journal. But then he denied it, and later he went back over it, and they gave him an opportunity to recant. And uh, I guess that he has gone back and forth a couple of times on this. So now he's up to it and is all the way up to his neck in this. And he also was fired by by the White House, by the president, and uh, by Jeff Sessions, who was then the uh, head of the Justice Department. He was our attorney general. And the Justice Department rules say that because he was fired, he doesn't get his retirement. So not only was he disgraced, not only did he lose his job, he also lost his pension. So now he's suing and saying that uh, he was wrongfully discharged and he wants his pension back and so on and so forth. Now, the president has been after McCabe and attacked him and had said to to his – then Attorney General, that he wanted McCabe fired, and everybody thought it was because of the Russian probe. Actually, it was because McCabe was a bad apple. He was a bad guy. He was doing things that were illegal and uh, unethical and were hurting not only the FBI but the country in general by allowing an ongoing investigation data to be leaked to the press. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do that. That is not a good thing to do, and uh, it's illegal, and it smacks of uh, manipulation and of trying to get things going in your direction and not in their direction. And I'm not sure what the uh, what the benefit would be from that. I don't understand why McCabe would get some benefit out of leaking that. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Now, maybe there's something more going on that we don't know about, but nevertheless, it certainly warrants, uh, uh, in my opinion, bringing charges against this guy. He's a scumbag. He has manipulated the system and used the office of of the assistant director and of director of internal investigations and external investigations to his own benefit. That's not what we want our top cops to do. We don't want our cops anywhere doing that. And I've railed uh, for years about this and said that it's great to praise the police and the law enforcement establishment for the hard work that they do and the risk that they take. But come on, they still have to be overseen. They're, they're not saints. They're not angels. They're, they're just people. And, and uh, you and I both know that there are a lot of cops that let their power go to their head and allow themselves to do things that are not right and to whether it's giving traffic tickets indiscriminately to make money for the city or whether it's uh, revealing sensitive data and ongoing investigations to the press, we know that they do wrong things. And we know that they use their offices for, uh, uh, not, not all, but some, use their, their office and their power, their badge, their position to obtain 
favor, to obtain power, to obtain money. Uh, you know, we, we've seen this over and over. Uh, we know that the police investigations of the New York City police in the 1970s, and again, I believe in the 1990s, uh, brought to light a lot of corruption within the, the nation's largest municipal police department. And there were drugs involved and money and murders. And one of the guys who was being investigated was asked by the uh, state commissioner who was on the board to investigate who was in charge, who had the power. And this cop said, we did. We had the power. We got the guns. We've got the badges. Nobody challenges us. Yeah, we do. We're challenging you folks in the law establishment community. We are challenging you and we want to keep your feet uh, on the ground. We want to know what you're up to. We want to oversee what you're doing and not doing. And as I said about the, uh, about the shootings over in Broward County, the school shootings over there, Sheriff Israel, the Sheriff's Department, the school board, the county commission, they all need to be held accountable because they did not follow the law. They did not arrest that kid, and he should have been in jail for, uh, and I said this for, oh gosh, Joe, I've been saying this since right after it happened, and now the, the national press is finally figuring it out, but it's a seven-year mandatory imprisonment. It's a second-degree felony to make violent threats over electronic media in the state of Florida. It has to go for judicial review, but the judge doesn't have a choice. He has to impose the maximum sentence from my reading of it. Now, maybe the law has changed. And thankfully, our governor has agreed with me on this and that he has fired Israel. And I agree with the president. He fired Comey and he fired McCabe because they're scumbags. They were leaking things to the press. They were manipulating the system to their own benefit. And that ain't right. That ain't right. That's a misuse of the FBI and of the power of the FBI and the power of of law enforcement. And I just uh, I, I can't abide that kind of behavior. I cannot. It it smacks of <clears throat> the the most petty and immature, uh, you know, junior high kind of actions and activity and behavior that uh, I think anybody could could display in it and it's such a high level i don't get it i don't understand i mean these guys have a lot of power a lot of prestige they have access to uh, uh some of the most powerful people in the world uh, there's a lot of ego involved there's a lot of uh, benefits that come with their offices they have a guaranteed income and a guaranteed retirement. They have one of the best health care systems in the world that they can turn to when they get sick. And why they would want to jeopardize that is just way beyond me. So what it makes me think also is that this probably goes on more than we know. And because of that, it's even more reason as I have said and continue to say, that we need to have very, very, very close oversight of our law enforcement agencies. And it's not to say that, it's, that they're, or they're, they're wrong or that I'm out to get anybody. I'm not. I just want our system 
to work and function in as healthy a manner as possible. And, and to do that, we have to have annual examinations, just like we do in medicine. We have to take a look at what these guys are doing and these gals are doing and make sure that they're doing the job that they were hired to do, that they're following the law, that, that we, the people, have voted on and enacted, and that they're not succumbing to the pressures of uh, uh, local politicians and, and, and national politicians, and that they're not succumbing to the pressure of, of uh, their own self-aggrandizement in their own pockets. So we have to we have to keep an eye on these guys. This isn't new. This isn't new. The FBI was started back in. Uh, the 1900-1910 era, the trust-busting era, and the FBI was actually started to look at the finances and the, uh, the, the books, the ledger books of the corporations that were being busted up because of monopolies. And so this was the Hey, we're having a little bit of a trouble uh, with your mic there, Doc. You may want to adjust it again. But I agree with everything that you're saying. Um, the, <clears throat> you know, these these guys that work and and, and ladies, women, pe- these these professionals that work in our intelligence communities, you know, they are th- th- because they work in these environments does not mean that they have a lesser standard of compliance with the law. In fact, they have a higher standard of compliance with the law. And whenever they are abusing that privilege, I mean, because the people in these positions are in, you know, a, a, a privileged spot uh, on purpose, and they should. They have a, a, a amount of authority, an amount of, um, you know, uh, freedom to move around within various, you know, aspects of our intelligence communities that is understandable given what the job that they do. But that doesn't mean that they have carte blanche ability to, particularly in this case, to affect. On purpose, and this was, you know, as discovered by the the texts, the texts between, for example, Lisa Page and uh, Peter Strzok, that indicated that yeah, these guys were absolutely. I mean, they were they were committed to halting the election of uh, and the implementation of Donald Trump's administration, despite what the American people voted on, and they don't enjoy that prerogative. No matter how elite they feel that they are, no matter how privileged they believe their positions are. They simply don't have that prerogative. And I think, I agree with you, it's very sophomoric, it's very childish, to because that's essentially what their, their attitude about this is. Well, we don't like him, so we get to stop him from being elected, regardless of what, what was there, 130 people that voted in that election say? Oh, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound a lot better now. Okay, good. <clears throat> yeah, it was, uh, it, it's really uh, a sad situation, and... Uh... I guess it's a commentary on all of us, though, because we have been asleep at the wheel and we haven't been keeping an eye on these folks, and we need to. Uh, and I think this is in part because of the liberal press's uh, um, constant droning about the 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 goodness of the left and socialism and uh, how we need to give people like Hillary Clinton a pass and their refusal to report on this. And uh, we have to hold the press responsible, too. 
and and for that, I think that uh, Salem Communications and Fox News and and uh, Town Hall and a, no, a number of conservative uh, media outlets are doing a great job of trying to hold their their feet to the fire and, and get these people in the press to to be honest. And I mean, you, you don't hear so much of of what what I say as you've pointed out because. You don't get it on the day-to-day press because they won't release it or they don't know what it is or they don't do their homework. And then people are busy and they don't have time to do the research that you and I do, Joe. They don't know. And so they, they hear what they hear on the news and they, they take it at, at, at face value. And that's even even conservatives do that. I mean, it's something that we have to guard against and we have to take everything with a grain of salt, especially when you read it in the press or hear it in the press. You got to think that again; these are human beings, just like you and me, with a bias. That's right. And and, and some of them with an axe to grind, and they're not going to be able to be completely objective. I mean, the only way you can be completely objective is to go there and get the whole video and put it on YouTube if they let you. <laughs> and, right. And you and you know that's not going to happen. People don't have time to do that, but. Uh, it's and this isn't new. I mean, Calvin Coolidge, who was the president that took over for the vice president, that took over for Warren Harding, investigated and instigated a whole big reshuffling of the FBI because under Warren Harding, who was the president for a couple of years from 1922, I believe his death in 23, 21 to 23, he had a heart attack in office. He was a really well-loved, uh, popular guy and won by a landslide. But after his death, it came out that there were just a number of scandals within his, uh, within his, uh, uh, presidency, including the Teapot Dome scandal, which was a scandal that, for money, for kickbacks, the Interior Secretary allowed uh, some businesses, uh, some oil businesses, to tap into the oil reserves that were there for the, the 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 Navy that had been set aside for the Navy. There were some oil reserves up, I believe, in Montana, and the FBI was involved in this. They were involved in it up to their necks that they had actually helped this uh, whole situation uh, come to pass. And so that caused a big upheaval within the FBI at that time. And there's been other scandals uh, throughout the history of the FBI. So we've got to keep an eye on these folks. By the way, while we're keeping an eye on them, I'm going to go grab a cup of Joe, and then you guys go get what you need, and we'll be right back. When we come back, I'm going to ask a couple of questions and see if we can give away a couple of my famous coffee mugs. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. With SRN News, I am Michael Harrington in Washington. The four-year contract between General Motors and the United Auto Workers has expired, but workers were told to report to jobs as negotiations continue and the prospect of a nationwide strike looms. The union let the contract lapse, raising the possibility of a strike as early as tonight. About 850 UAW-represented janitors with Aramark, which is a separate company, went on strike today after working under an extended contract since March of last year. Tropical Storm Umberto moving away from the Bahamas after dumping rain yesterday on parts of the archipelago's northwest region. 
already hammered by Hurricane Dorian two weeks ago. The good news is the big storm does not appear to be threatening the U.S. coast and probably will not. And the leader of Yemen's Houthi rebels say they were able to exploit vulnerabilities in Saudi Arabia's air defense to attack oil fields yesterday. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727 727- 3846411 Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Once upon a time, customers would find your business with this big, thick book full of phone numbers and competitors' phone numbers. It was a heavy, cumbersome, yellowish-looking thing. You'd place your ad in the book and hope customers would call. Hello? Now, there's Salem Surround, delivering customers with targeted digital marketing. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue. Learn more at surroundtampa.com. Surroundtampa.com. Connecting you with new customers. Greetings. I'm Bob Canigliaro with Casper's Company McDonald's Restaurants. You know, Mark Twain wrote a profound statement that reads... The two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you figure out why. I love that quote because here at Casper's, I'm surrounded by McFamily members who have figured it out. At every station of responsibility under our arches, we are here to serve you. Be it hot and delicious world-famous fries, a sparkling, clean, newly remodeled restaurant, or a fast and efficient drive through experience. Our mission is to deliver beyond your expectations. All of our systems are designed and constantly refined with one objective, to better serve you. So the next time that big smile greets you or your delicious meal is handed to you before your wheels stop turning, remember, we're not only serving you, we are serving our why. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Today, intervals of clouds and sun. We'll see a shower and thunderstorm. The high today, 92. Partly cloudy tonight and a low 78. Partial sun tomorrow, the high near 92. And then clear skies tomorrow night, low 79. Sunny and warm on Tuesday with a high 94. Sunny skies Wednesday. Could see a shower and thunderstorm, the high 92. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Steve Williams for AM860, The Answer. bit of Jimi Hendrix right there. Crosstown traffic. It looks like Andrew McCabe got caught in that crosstown traffic, and now he's in a real traffic jam, so to speak. Oh, boy, I, I can't wait to see some of these guys go down. And I said this, I said this before anybody said this. I said it at the beginning of this whole thing, three, what, three, two, three years ago, that this is going to come around and bite the Democrats in the butt. And you're going to see it happen, I'm telling you. 
so at any rate, I got a, a couple little more of the jokes from uh, from my neighbor here, Sven Johansson, whose grandfather immigrated to the U.S. in 1953 under Cory Booker's plan, will have to pay reparations to Shalindia Jefferson because she thinks her great-great-great-grandfather might have been a slave. Now, <clears throat> Sammy Thomas, a farmer, will no longer be able to haul his crops to market in his three-quarter ton diesel pickup, but will have to make 43 trips in his Toyota Prius. <laughs> That's under the new green plan. And the population in the United States will become 76.4% Hispanic because all the existing border walls will be torn down if Beto O'Rourke has his way. But, of course, none of this will matter within a decade, according to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, because the world's going to end due to global warming. So there you go, folks. It's a, a terrible situation that we're in here, but I think we'll make it through. So did anybody see the uh, Aramco oil attack by the uh, by the by the rebels in Yemen, the Houthis, H-O-U-T-H-I-S, Houthis, and they apparently sent uh, some some uh, drones that were armed with with explosives, and they blew up one of the big oil plants that Aramco, the big Saudi Arabian oil company, the largest oil company in the world, by the way, uh, and the facilities in, in two cities were were uh, destroyed or set on fire, and the company's crude oil supply was cut back by 5.7 million barrels a day, or about 50% of its output. This is from the minister of the Saudi state news agency. And so this is causing a worldwide effect because the Arabians, the Saudi Arabians, are the number one oil exporters in the world. And now the rest of the world is going to have to take up the slack and figure out how to meet this demand. Uh, who knows? Maybe the, the Democrats, the green people there, and the, uh, the ones that want the, the fossil fuels to be permanently banned, maybe they were involved in it too. Uh, you might say, well, who are these Houthis and what the heck are they doing in Yemen? Well, Yemen's been in a civil war. There's two sects in Islam. There are the Sunnis and the Shias. The Sunnis are the majority, and they were the first uh, uh, sect in Islam, the followers of Muhammad and of the righteous caliphs. The caliphs were kind of like the uh, the early bishops of the Christian church, and they wrote the uh, wrote the Quran and set the laws, the Shia, uh, the uh, laws that are part of the uh, of the religion that everybody is supposed to follow. Now, the Shiites are Persians predominantly. They have had a long-running feud with the Arab world. Even before there was a religion of Islam, the Arabs and the Persians were fighting. And so they followed uh, Muhammad's son-in-law, Ali, who was killed. And they have a little bit different outlook on Islam than the Sunnis do. And so now the wars have become religious, whereas before they were whatever religious or whatever religion was going on back then. And as we all know, the Persians even tried to take over Greece and the Western world, uh, but they didn't succeed. They were defeated by the Greeks a couple thousand years ago. So at any rate, we've got this civil war and the Sauds, who are Sunnis, are backing the Yemen 
government, which is Sunni, and the Iranians are backing the Shias. And so it's a proxy war between Saudi Arabia and Iran. And the Sauds are finally figuring out that Israel is not their enemy. Iran is their enemy. Oh, by the way, I got to tell you this. I hear this at the lunch table so often, this terrible thing that George Bush II did in going into Iraq and getting us involved there. And I keep saying to these guys, do you realize that if we're in Iraq and we had a big base there, which I think Obama dismantled pretty much, and we have a big base in uh, in Afghanistan, well, guess what country's right between Iraq and Afghanistan? Iran. So we at least at one point, uh, had significant military assets on both the east and west borders of Iran, ancient Persia. And Iran is the uh, country, the Shiite country, that has been calling for death to all Americans and has been calling for death to Israel and take over all of the uh, Arab world and they've been in proxy wars. They've been backing terrorist groups throughout the region and throughout the world. And by all accounts, they're the number one exporters of terrorists and terrorism of any country in the world. And I keep telling these guys, are you crazy? We didn't go into Iraq just to take down Saddam Hussein and protect uh, the neighborhood there from his insanity which we did, and that, that included Saudi Arabia because he would have threatened Saudi Arabia. He wanted to take over Saudi Arabia as well. Uh, I, I just I don't know how to get through to these guys. But now remember that a lot of doctors are Jewish and Hindu in my community. Uh, there are some Christians and uh, Muslims in, in the medical community in St. Petersburg, but we have a large faction of Jews and Hindus and as we all know, you're not going to be able to count on North American Jews or on Hindus to have any great military knowledge because basically they're pacifists. Hinduism is pacifistic. Uh, North American Jews have adopted, for the most part, a pacifist stance. And uh, I tell these guys, hey, you're not warriors. You don't know what you're talking about. And I ask them, have you ever been in a fist fight? Most of them have never even been in a fist fight. They don't have any idea what it is to fight. They uh, are nerds, you know. They're like me. They're a nerd. And they have spent most of their lives studying and going to school and then taking care of sick people. And, of course, we're trained as doctors to care about the individual. And uh, we're, we're not supposed to hurt anyone or anything. We're supposed to be nice to all the little animals and people. And we try to do that. But at any rate, we are already there, and we need to be there. We need to stay there, and I disagree with the president on wanting to pull out of Afghanistan and Iran. We need to stay in that area and uh, help out. And now with this attack on the Aramco oil refineries in, in Saudi Arabia, we are in even more of a position to have to stay and to take our responsibility as uh, a strong ally of Saudi Arabia against the Iranian proxy war. And we've even offered military support to them or anything that they need to help them with their, their proxy war against the Iranians because they're going to need some advanced technology to ward off future drone attacks. These drones are big enough that they can carry 
you know, one or 2,000 pound bombs and they can come in at low levels and be remotely controlled and can be flown right into whatever you want to fly them into and blow it up. So they're going to need some help. And so Trump has told the Saudi leaders that we're ready to protect Saudi security and to just let us know whatever they need. Whether or not the president will follow through on this, I don't know. I think that he will because I think that he realizes that this is uh, something that's going to affect the economy, not only of the United States, but of the entire world. So how are we going to make up this oil deficit, uh, this, this drop of 5 million barrels of oil a day in the world community? Well, guess who has oil reserves? The United States, Iran, and Venezuela. Well, right now, Iran is basically under an embargo and we're trying to keep them from uh, shipping any oil outside of their country. I'm sure they're pumping some up into the uh, into the former Soviet Union countries, but how hard it is to get that onto trucks and carry that across the, the former Soviet Union and back into Europe and, and Asia, uh, East Asia, that, that remains, uh, I would believe, a, a difficult uh, logistic conundrum that they would have to figure out and would probably end up costing more to buy oil that way than it would from buying it from someone else. Okay, mm-hmm. Venezuela now, they're the bad boys in our neighborhood. And so we put the, the, the quash, the quiet is the clamp on their exports and their activities as much as we can. So the country with the, with the largest reserves that can actively assist the world is, guess who? Us, the United States. And so the president has authorized the uh, drawing, the tapping of our big reserves in the Texas, Louisiana area that we have underground if needed, and that we can increase our production of oil as well. Now, here's the thing. The the oil that the sods have been drawing out is called uh, light, sweet, crude, light, Sweet crude means that it doesn't have many impurities in it. The more sulfur the oil has in it, uh, the more it has to be refined, the more expensive it becomes. And the sulfur is what makes it acidic, and uh, acid is, is sour tasting, and uh, alkalines are, are sweet tasting. So light sweet crude means that when you taste it, it's not, it's not acidy, it's not sour. And light means that it doesn't have uh, a lot of debris in it, a lot of other organic chemicals that have to be uh, uh, purified out. And they do that by basically by distilling it just like you would alcohol. So when you distill something, you heat it up and different fractions of the component goop come out at different temperatures and they can be siphoned off. And so then you get gasoline, kerosene, uh, motor oil, so on and so forth. It, they come out at different different points in the heating process because they're different weights and they have different boiling points. And, and that's how you uh, refine it. So the sods have some of the best in the world. Texas used to have a lot of good, good oil. I'm sure there's still oil being pumped there. But a lot of our oil now is coming out of the shale, and that's not the cleanest oil, so it requires a little more refining. So the heavily guarded underground storage caverns on the Texas and Louisiana coast hold nearly 645 million barrels, or about the amount the United States consumes in a month. Now, we hold these in reserve for emergency, and I believe it was Carter, one of the few things he did that I thought was a a good thing. He uh, 
started these oil reserves back in the uh, 1970s when we underwent that crisis, when we had an embargo from, from the OPEC countries over our support for Israel. Now, the OPEC countries are looking at Israel as a friend, uh, or at least most of them, the Arabs are, and realizing that Israel is going to help them way more than Iran or any of the other uh, Shia countries that, that are out to get them. So the spare capacities, the extra oil a producing country can bring out stream, could bring onto the market, and can pump up at a short notice. And this helps keep the price of oil down, because when the price of oil goes up, the price of everything goes up, essentially, because oil is involved in so many processes. In the United States, we have had a big shift from, from coal to and, and nuclear power plants to gas power plants because one of the byproducts of drilling is the release of methane. And I talked about that a week or two ago, how that's affecting the atmosphere, supposedly. So let's get all the methane we can and keep using it because that decreases our need for oil. Oil burning plants are unusual anyway, but certainly uh, that would get rid of any that are remaining. And we can even shift to methane for some of our domestic transportation. And you see a lot of these city buses around that use methane gas, natural gas. So we don't want to let Iran sell oil. We don't want to see Venezuela selling oil because they use it for terrorism. They use it for uh, uh, evil purposes and uh, for uh, controlling their own population and for threatening the United States and her allies. So we're going to have to step up here. Not only are we going to have to step up and help the Sauds militarily and and technologically, but we're also going to have to help them uh, in in terms of pumping out more oil so that the reserves that we have will meet the demands of the world. That's a good thing. We need to make sure that we are there for the Sauds and for the world. And if you think that for one minute that we are not appreciated around the world as the leftist press would make you think, or that the Europeans are wagging their tongues and shaking their heads over Trump, you better think again. They are all dependent upon us, and we are dependent upon them too. It's a working partnership. And here's a perfect example of how and why the world needs us and how we are willing to step up and help the world in any way that we can. And you say, well, you know, somebody's going to make money off of that in the United States. It doesn't exactly work that way. I mean, first you have to pump this stuff out of the ground. That costs money. That takes time. <coughs> and uh, it's it's a big process. Then it has to be refined because it's been underground for a while. So it's picked up some impurities. So then that has to be sent back to the oil refining plants. And this is all very complex. It's just, it's a big production. And so it takes time, it takes money, and it takes effort. And when we do this, it may or may not make money for the companies that are selling it. Certainly they'll want to get a little something out of it. They're not going to do it just out of goodness of their heart. But they may have to take a loss in the short term in order to keep oil prices at a reasonable level so the rest of the world doesn't go into recession. 
we are putting out around 15% of the global supply of the world's oil now, 15%. That's pretty good. Now, we probably underestimate this for, uh, for security reasons. And so there may be even more available that we don't know about. And all this because of Yemen's Iran-backed Houthi group who on Saturday last attacked two plants at the heart of the Saudi oil industry in a strike that could impact 5 million barrels per day of crude oil production. And that's about half of the Saudi Arabian output per day, or 5% of the global world's supply of oil. 5%. And you say 5%, is that a big deal? You kick the world economy by 5%. You kick 5% out from underneath it, and we'll go into a worldwide recession. We can't have that. We can't have that. So we got to we got to step up. We got to take uh, uh, the front on this, and we have to assist the Saudis any way we can, and we have to uh, fulfill the world's need for oil. And you say, well, I don't think that we should be burning fossil fuels. Well, you know what? I don't have a problem with not burning fossil fuel, but you got to come up with some cost-effective, reasonable alternatives. And as I've been saying for 50 years now. 60 years since I was in junior high school, what's wrong with nuclear? It's safe, it's clean, it's effective. Uh, you know, it, it's minimal risk. Even if you do have a leak, it, it's just way overplayed by the press. We can, as I said last week, we can use the uh, natural water reserves that we have for hydroelectric power with dams. We can build more dams, not, not tear down dams. We can divert uh, river and, and running water through channels that will turn hydroelectric plants on the ground. <clears throat> we can store water, pump it up into reservoir tanks, and as it falls, it'll turn uh, uh, turbines and create more electricity. There's lots of things that we can do, and so I don't have a problem with that. But we got to make a commitment and do it. We have to make a commitment. Here's the thing. There's just so much energy stored in, in a gallon of, of gas. I mean, you're just not going to get that out of many other uh, easily transported, uh, easily utilized energy sources. And so that's, that's important that we consider that as we trans, transform ourselves from uh, a, a fossil fuel-based economy and world to other sources of energy. So we have to do this in a way that's going to make economic sense. Otherwise, we'll, we'll put the world in a recession, and, and we don't want that either. People starvation and economic chaos than from anything else. Well, I don't know, maybe the flu will kill more people, but uh, there's, there's a lot of pressure here for us to do the right thing, and I think we're doing it. Can you hear me now? Much better. All right. I don't know what's going on. This stupid headset. I'm going to have to trade this one in for a new one. I hope you guys didn't miss anything out there. Uh, we're having a great time today. I think it's been a good show. Joe, you jumped in there and did a did a man's job, a stand-up job. Appreciate you. And so the questions. Oh, I forgot to ask the questions. Oh, we'll do it next week. I'll, I'll, I'll promise I'll 
ask questions early next week, and we'll give away some mugs. So you guys come back and be with me. How much time we got left? About 30 seconds? About 32 seconds. 32 seconds. So I wanted to say this. Do see your doctor. Do get your blood pressure checked. Do take care of yourself. You're a valuable asset. We need all of you, whether you're young or old, male or female. We all have a part to play in this this great drama we call life. And so when you go in, make sure you talk to your doctor and, and make sure that he's doing the exams and the tests that I requested and require. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. I'll see you guys next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 